This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. They called them sinners. And Jesus hung up with them. He didn't write them up. He didn't say, I've seen this before. He sat and he spoke with Nicodemus, did he not? He could have said, I've seen this before. Your religious folks are always the same. And it's Nicodemus that goes and takes the body of Jesus down from the cross. I praise God that Jesus doesn't look at you and say, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I've seen this before. And pass over you. Oh, pass me not, oh gentle Savior. We cannot pass over others as saying, I've seen this before, but Eliphaz, 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 my man. He says, those who plow iniquity so trouble, and I've seen this before. And how are they going to reap this? By the breath of God, they perish. Man, he's a mm, fired up preacher. By the breath of God, they perish. And the blast of his anger, they are all consumed. Ah. <laughs> I got to throw the ah in there, right? And then he says, I've seen the fool taking root. But suddenly, look at this. I curse his dwelling. This is a really nasty blow. His children are far from safety. They're crushed in the gate and there's no one to deliver them. Recap, Job had just lost his children. They were crushed under the weight of the house falling on them. And he talks about crushed at the gate. At the gate is where back in the day judgment would happen. And it says, Job, it's your sinful unrepentance that's brought calamity on your children and they're dead. Judgment fell on them because of you. There is no grace, is there? No. And it's not like he's speaking of what he knows. He's speaking of what he has seen. You know, folks, it's very easy to beat a person up when he's down. Isn't it? To beat him up when he's in pain. To call him names. When a person is down, is not the time for you to go and tell them, I told you so. Can I illustrate something that was really weighing on me? When a girl, 16-year-old, comes to you, trusts you because you're a man, a woman of God and says I'm pregnant that's not the time to talk about you shouldn't be sleeping around God did not intend sex for me to be this way that's not the time that's not the time church, that's not the time there is a time for you to talk to them and say hey man, you're being stupid you shouldn't be doing that. Don't wear those clothes. Don't go there. Don't hang out over here. What you're doing is wrong. Hey, listen, knock it off, man. Don't do that. You'll find yourself in trouble. But when there is trouble, that's not the time to say, I told you so. That's not being graceful. That's not showing the grace of God. That's the time they're coming to trust you. They're looking for someone to help them. That's the time to embrace them, to cry with them. Let her cry on your shoulder and say, I'm here for you. Jesus still loves you. And God is able to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Do you believe that? I want you to keep in touch with me every single day. I'm here with you. I'll stand with you. We'll take care of this. What would the church look like if we were like that? But we're preaching the truth, but we also have the guts to walk in grace. I'm not trying to water down the gospel. I'm not trying to water down the gospel at all. I'm not saying we should stop preaching truth. But if you're only preaching truth and not ready to show grace, shut your mouth. It's not needed. It's not necessary. Because Jesus came full of grace and truth. Look at what Job says. He says in chapter 6 verse 25, How forceful are upright words. But what does reproof from you reprove? What is you blaming me? What is it rebuke? Ever had someone come and tell you, you need to repent man, you need to change. And you're like, what do you want me to change bro? 
What do you want me to stop doing? Tell me. I get up every day. I spend time in the word. I get up and I preach. And you're telling me to repent from what? You're yelling at me. Fine. Tell me. G- give me details. What do you want me? He's like, what are your upright words? What do they, what do they reprove? What is it going to rebuke? Do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind? You see, Job is not guilty. Job is not a 16-year-old girl who's pregnant, who was sleeping around. He hasn't done anything wrong. This is God and Satan having a conversation and Job is experiencing the aftermath. And he says, what are you trying to reprove? What are you trying to rebuke? The words that's coming out of my mouth is the words of a man in pain. These are words for the wind. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. (laughs) James chapter 1 verse 20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you really want to see the nation change, if you want to see your home change, if you want to see your church, your family, your neighborhood change, you need to know that your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. It's His kindness that leads people to repentance. It doesn't mean we wink at sin and we overlook sin. It doesn't mean that when you see your brother in sin, you just ignore it. But you go to them in humility. You go to them to help them. You go to them and you speak the truth to them. But when you come across people who are already in pain, don't beat them up. Our job is to lift them up with truth and grace. Our job is to lift them up with good, sound gospel that is quoted, that's covered in kindness that comes from Jesus. Just the same way God showed you grace, we ought to show others grace too. Now, you might be feeling like, hey Joel, this is all good. But I know people are living in continuous sin. Do you want me to just be like patient with them and just let them? Like I know, I mean, nothing bad has happened to them, but they're just they're living in continuous sin. What do I do? And if you're over here, there's a fair chance that some of you are here. I know I am one of them, and so I want us to be warned of this. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is kind. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Yes, he's gracious. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Yes, he is gracious. Yes, he is kind. Praise God, nothing bad has happened to you yet because you've been sowing unrighteousness. You've been sowing sinful things. You've been sowing to sinful desires, to the works of the flesh. Praise God that he's been patient with you. But here's a good warning from the Bible. After knowing the truth, after receiving the invitation, you go on trampling on the blood of Yeshua, Watch out. Watch out. He's long-suffering. Yes, he's patient. He's also just. He doesn't overlook sin lightly. Sin is so harmful that he himself came into the world, lived a sinless life, and died a brutal death to save you from that wrath, from that punishment, to save you from it, from an eternal separation from God. And he says... Father, why have you forsaken me so that you today doesn't have to be forsaken? Forsake your evil ways. I beg you, brothers. I beg you, sisters. Forsake your evil ways, please. Forsake them. Call sin, sin. If you're going to go down this road, at least call it sin. If that's what you're choosing to do, don't be a hypocrite. Don't fool yourself and think that one day you can fool God. You cannot do that. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. But doesn't mean he's foolish. I mean, you might be able to fool your grandma, but you can't fool God. Sure, God is older than your grandma, but he's a lot smarter too. I'm glad you guys are able to laugh. Praise the Lord. 
Verse 27 says, There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. When you continue to live in unrepentant sin, you become you make yourself an enemy of God. Listen, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for my church. And you should not want that for yourself. And today is a good day for you to repent. Before you sit in a place where everything that Eliphaz is saying that is true will come true for you. He's a God of grace. He is a God of grace. I want to kind of address another question that you can have. You might be feeling like, Joel, great, I'm glad you made that, that invitation and asked people to repent, but it really frustrates me. And I want to talk to some of you who are very, you know, like you're very, very strong in your faith and you really want to see people change. And you say, but Joel, it's really frustrating when I see people, after you've said all that, continue to live in unrepentance. They continue to take advantage of God. You feel that way? You see your children? You see your family members? You see other Christians? And you're like, why do you keep taking advantage of God? And you get frustrated? I have a word for you. They're not taking advantage of you. They're taking advantage of God. And my God, He's rich in mercy. Learn to grow in compassion for these people. And say, Lord, how can I be compassionate towards them instead of getting angry at their continuous unrepentance? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Some of you need to go back home and listen to this message and write down some of these things because I'm guaranteeing you, you will see a tremendous breakthrough in the people that you interact with. Now, if they're coming to you and you feel like they're taking advantage of you and they're using you, this is a word that God gave me a couple of months ago. If you feel used by other people for the sake of the gospel, please rejoice. Clap your hands and jump with joy and rejoice. If they're using up your money, rejoice. If they're using up your house, rejoice. Using up your time, rejoice. Using up your food, your car, rejoice. If they're taking advantage of you for the sake of the gospel. You know why? Because it's better to be used than not used at all. Okay? It's better to be used. There are people that come and take advantage of my time. And nothing comes out of it. And earlier, I'd feel like, man, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste. And God said, you idiot. Be happy that you were used and not ignored. Okay, that's good stuff, man. Okay? That's good stuff. Come on, make some noise if you're with me, all right? Number three, attributes without attitude is fear-mongering. This is what I mean. Don't let your knowledge be found lacking the attitude of Christ. Okay, so we spoke about kindness, we spoke about grace, and now we're talking about attitude. Kindness, grace, attitude. Kindness, grace, attitude. You want to make a difference in the world? Kindness, grace, attitude. Preach the gospel with kindness, with grace, and with the attitude of Christ. Man, you'll see an overflow. Sitting in this room are some of you who've been longing to experience kindness, grace, and to, to, to walk in the attitude of Christ with other people who share the same attitude of Christ. And the world is actually hungry for this kindness, attitude, and grace. Don't let your attributes of God, you, you have the knowledge of God, you went to your catechism, you've read all the right books, you've seen the documentaries of you know, Charles Wesley and John Wesley, and you know, you know about the history of the Reformation and all that good stuff, all that's good. You might have the attributes and the knowledge right, but make sure you also have the attitude of Christ. Like I said earlier, there are many people who know a lot about the Bible, know a lot about church history. Um, they, know, they know a lot about everything to do with Christianity. But you talk to them and there is no life. You ever experience those people? You're like, man, he's a smart guy. but And then there's someone that you talk to and they would say something very simple. And you begin to cry. And your heart begins to beat. And you're like, man, I'm ready to be crucified for Jesus. And all I heard was Jesus loves you. David Wilkerson, I love, love, love the story. 
holding this guy up, Nikki Cruz, uh, Nikki Cruz holding David Wilkerson up, the missionary in a suit and tie, a Baptist preacher, holding up. Nikki Cruz is a gangster in New York. And says, preacher, one more time you tell me Jesus loves you, I will cut you into a million pieces. And Nikki Cruz says, and every piece will tell you Jesus loves you. And that changed that man's life. Nikki Cruz didn't go into teaching them about church history and let me unpack the Trinity and uh, what am I doing over here? You know, learning Greek and Hebrew and, and, and Latin. And, no, it was, it was a very simple truth. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? There was kindness. There was grace. There was the attitude of Christ. There was kindness. There was grace. There was the attitude of Christ. Everything else is just noise. Everything else is just noise. Verse 8. Eliphaz says, As for me, Job, I would seek God, man. And to God, I would commit my case. Job, if I were you, man, I would seek God and I would come. It's not like Job is not doing it already. In fact, as you read through the book of Job, it's fascinating because all his friends talk about God. Job is the only one talking to God. I would rather trust a man who's talking to God than a man who's talking about God, you know? And this guy's like, dude, man, you better get right with God, man. If I were you, man, shut up, Eliphaz. And look at this, verse 9 to 20. I'm going to go through this quickly. Look at what he knows about God. God does great things, verse 9. Unsearchable things, marvelous things. He gives rain to the earth. He sends water on the fields. He sets high on those who are lowly. And those who mourn are lifted to safety. Verse 12 says, he frustrates the devices of the crafty. Verse 13 says, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Verse 15, jump down over there. It says, but he saves the needy. He's a God who saves. Verse 17, behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. That's who disciplines. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. He recognizes that God is like a loving father who disciplines his children. Verse 18 says, he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. And he says, he's a God who redeems in verse 20. He knows a lot of good things about God. But for Eliphaz, God is just a wrathful, vengeful God. And for, for Eliphaz, he thinks that bad things happen to bad people. And that's why in verse 8, he says, Man, if I were you, Job, I would just seek God, man. I would kiss up to him. I would try to get back on his good graces. Because, and in fact, if you, if you continue reading what Eliphaz says um, from verse 20 uh, onwards, he says, Man, if you commit your ways to God, you'll be blessed. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 